Welcome to another edition of the Dementia Care Partner Talk Show. Now, here's dementia care expert Tifa Snow and your host, Greg Phelps. Hello and welcome to the Dementia Care Partners podcast, brought to you by Relias Online Learning. I'm your host, Greg Phelps, along with Pax Tifa Snow. And August has been a busy month for release of studies, and this one caught my eye, or should I say my ear. Uh, Israeli scientists say brain analysis tools can spot cognitive decline using music. Now, I, I won't go into all the details with three electro pads attached to the head, but people undergoing tests are asked to complete tasks such as pressing a button when a particular instrument plays and the pad is attached to the machine, the machine monitors the brain function, an algorithm determines the data. Um, am I going anywhere with this? I mean, you know, there's a whole bunch of these different studies and things like that. What What did you get from that with the music? Because I know you're big on music. I am big on music. The problem is, you know, yeah, we might be able to pick it up when there's enough change that it would register. But if we had baselines on everybody, I think it'd be a little easier to pick up things in general. I think, yeah, maybe music does it. There are a lot of other things that I think might do it. I think the real problem is we don't have a baseline on ourselves or anybody else we care about. So we can't really notice it until we're pretty far along in change that's both chemical and structural. And I think what this is doing is looking for signals of chemical change before the structural pieces might have become evident uh, and really changed the, the structure in the brain. So, I mean, I, but it could be a combination of structural change plus chemical change that it's picking up on. Sounds pretty in, sounds pretty intense to have this kind of thing done. And I'm thinking, you know, I, I had enough trouble trying to get them to test my hearing last time I went in. I'm, I'm wondering, like, so we're going to do this on everybody and just check and see who maybe is having these changes that hasn't realized it yet. And then what are we going to do with that data? So for me, it's not that I'm opposed to doing this kind of thing. It's like, where are we going with it? Well, that was my big question at the end of the whole thing was, okay, now we know that, what do we do with it? And I, I guess if you, I, I guess maybe we're still operating under the, the philosophy of if you point enough arrows at a problem, you'll actually, you'll actually narrow it down or you'll hit the target or, you know. Well, I guess when you did that study, did those people who did have a change that signaled they had a dementia, did they react to the music differently emotionally, physically? Did they do something different with the music? Or was that just a way that you could look inside a living brain and see how it behaved differently? But they didn't, that group didn't show more appreciation for certain kinds of music or times of day of music or how to use music than the group that didn't have that happen. Well, that was my next question is we've got all of these studies. Now, what are you going to do with it? Yeah. How how do I use this in my caring for my person living with dementia? Yeah. So for me, it's like for that one particularly, it's like, so what are you saying about that? It's really like, so where's that lead me? So I shouldn't use music. I should use music. I should use a certain kind of music. I think we've established with music and memories and some of the work they've done. I mean, they've done a huge body of work that looking at a person's background and going to childhood music, uh, music of the teenage years and music of young adulthood, go into those three groupings and see 
what kind of playlist you might be able to come up with? Uh, favorite genres of music, artists, favorite patterns of music. And then let's introduce one of those and see what it does with someone. Um, does it stimulate your brain? Does it overwhelm your brain? Does it elicit a memory? I mean, does how is it affecting you? And how am I going to use it? So let's say that I can get you excited about dancing if I play certain music. Well, if you're not moving around much, then guess what I'm going to try? Hey, Greg, look what I just heard. Listen to this. Do you remember? Now, that was the one, if I remember right, this was when we were really doing chubby checkers and stuff. Now, did you ever do chubby checkers or... Well, if I tried it now, I'd break a hip. Oh, you'd break a hip? <laughs> oh, well, let's hold on to the back of the chair. But I believe we can still try this. You know, that whole idea of, uh, you know, oh, I can't do that anymore. And it's like sometimes the music can overcome that I can't phenomena and say, how about if we try? That's the other magic word. So for me, um, you know, those kind of studies are like interesting, but I'm more interested in how can I help someone live well with the info I get, then, okay, I want to label them. Are you, are you in that category? Okay, great. Now I know where to put you. It's like, what are you going to do with them once you get them there? We have seen tremendous success with some people who are, mm. I, I hate to use the term, and almost end stage, but mm -hmm. still responding to music. And, mm -hmm. and I, I, I find that utterly fascinating that, that yeah. people will sing along with their old hymns. Yeah. And so what's really interesting is there are parts of the brain that even though there's so much destruction, we know there's a lot of structural damage and chemical damage that if we can really hit the right spot, though, the synapses in those areas are still active if we can get them to fire. The tricky part is letting go of what's not working to celebrate what is. And what's really amazing to me is after they sing that hymn, there might be a phrase or two like, you know, that's always been one of my favorite hymns. We, we sang that when Ma at mom's funeral. And it's like, what? Did she just say stuff? And that moment of, wow, what did that do? Well, it showed me that there was a little bit of wiring over to the language center and it hooked into the hippocampal area. And it was enough that they wanted to share that with me. So there was still some social interest. And is it going to happen every time? No. So could I celebrate and not be sad that I can't get it every time, but recognize, oh, wonder what other hymns might trigger something. I wonder if there's any music other than hymns that they used to listen to. And what did they do when they were, I don't know, let's explore it. Let's try it out. Now, I, I believe I heard you say one time, that somebody who liked classical music in their mm -hmm. younger years might not respond to classical music in the same way in their senior years. Is it something to do with my hearing, my perception? What is ah, that? Very, yeah, good question. So one of, there have been a few studies, Greg, you know, I do use studies to sort of do my work, but I, I like them when they, they lead me into areas where I can try things out. It turns out that people who love classical music and they often love complex patterns of rhythm and music. So many people talk about Bach or those very like uh, Mahler or, or something that is definitely more complex. 
and quick and with lots of changes and flourishes and lots of different instruments. And what tends to happen as people, number one, get older, but number two, start to develop some brain change, we want it simpler and more rhythmic and more predictable um, and less intense in many ways when it comes to classical music. So we, we look for people who like the Moonlights, they start to like the Moonlight Sonata, they like Brahms, they like, and you're like, she's never liked that stuff. And it's like, well, now she does. Or I may suddenly wake up when I hear the cannons fire because all of a sudden that's a, ooh, I know that one. Um, because they can be triggers or they could be rhythms that are comfortable now. But I think being willing to relook at the kind of instruments, maybe deeper instruments versus less high pitched might be something of note for people who are older who start having hearing loss. Um, but it also could be the what it does to your brain as far as that high pitched sound over a period of time with quick rhythm changes that people find less enjoyable. So this calls on on care partners, care staff to really think outside the box. And I know care care staff are so often pressed for time that they'll simply walk by and throw the earphones on because she likes music and I'll throw the TV on because Joe likes TV. And, you know, uh, it's a shame, but I guess that's the reality we live with. I don't know. How do we how do we deal with that? Yeah, so at least if you do that and then you witness a, ooh, well, she just went to sleep with that one. And then the next day, I noticed something different. It's like, well, what was playing today that wasn't playing yesterday? I would still encourage people to use what they see and what they hear and what they experience. So like, when did Joe wake up and get excited? When did Tipa do this? And really use that data versus ignore the data that you have. Because I've got to say that life happens, whether you notice it or not. And people react, whether you notice it or not. Maybe it's time to pay attention a little bit of that. I mean, I can be doing something else and glance up at Greg and see whether or not he seems to be singing along with whatever's on that headset. And then the next time go, I'm going to rewind that. So or I'm going to pull back and play that over again to see if I get that again. Make me curious rather than just going through the muddle of routine, maybe. Tipa, if, if people want to, to talk to somebody and get more information about things that we could, should consider doing, uh, is there somebody I can phone or can I email somebody and get advice? Or have you've got a million videos out there. We do. We have, I mean, we have a couple of videos and, and webinars on um, what, you know, Music, I'm going to use music, but I'm not a music therapist. And then we have people who are music therapists in our world, and we encourage people to connect up with them because they are very skillful for music. We also have people you can just connect with and um, see what you might want to find out. Is it music or is it something else? And those are called consults at tipasnow.com or info at tipasnow.com or call a number and you don't have to email at all. So options. Tifa, thank you very much. Thanks, Greg. You've been listening to the Dementia Care Partners podcast brought to you by Relias Online Learning. Relias has recently launched Tifa Snow for Dementia Education on Relias Academy for individual professionals. Search Tifa Snow at reliasacademy.com.